Uh, so some of them are traveling. I know those who are traveling are uh, worshiping other congregations. I know some of them are at Bonnie today listening to Corey. I hope they pick on him for me. I know some are down at Branson. I hope they pick on Blaine and Tim for me. But anyway, uh, no, you know, that's one fun thing about traveling. And we enjoy when travelers come our way and worship with us. I think about that as Tammy and I went over to the area-wide singing at Waynesville. Uh, they were so appreciative of us showing up and being there. And uh, you knew it when you left. You were glad you went. And, uh, you know, it's great to be there and be encouraged by others and also be able to be part of the giving side of that encouragement. This uh, scripture we're going to look at today talks about slaves and masters. Since I did go into slaves and masters, I will deal a little bit with it, with slave and masters pretty intensely when we were back in 1 Thessalonians chapter 6. So I'm just going to highlight it. But I'm going to, if you will allow me, take a little liberty and apply this to employers and employees. Because there's probably not many people in this room that own anybody. And there's probably not many people in this room that are owned by somebody. Maybe by debt jar, but anyway, uh, those way that they were. But probably all of us either have or are working for someone or have worked for someone, or maybe we are the employer and the employee all by ourselves because we're self employed, whatever the situation is. But if you look at this, first of all, he says, I urge you bond slaves or bond servants or slaves because they're to be subject. We don't like that word, subject. Be subject to someone. Be submissive to someone. Be subject to your own masters and everything. Now, I do want to point this out. I am not a promoter of slavery, okay? I am not a promoter of slavery. But I'll tell you that the New Testament teaches, if you're a slave, be a godly slave, not run away. Now, that's contrary to American thinking. I understand that. I'm not talking from the book of America. I'm talking from God's Word. It also tells you that if you're a master, you're to treat your slaves in a godly way. I am not going to spend a lot of time on that today. You can go back in archives and pull that sermon up. Uh, it's back when I spoke on the very first few verses of 1 Timothy chapter 6. But if you think about this here in Titus uh, chapter 2, he says that you are subject to your own masters in everything, and you're to be well-pleasing and not argumentative. I meet some people, they want to argue about anything and everything. I mean, they can't agree with it's anyone about anything at all. And I think about that, be well-pleasing. So I think when we look and we talk about employees, employers, if you have an employer, I guess I'm one of them guys that think the Bible teaches you ought to be the best employees guy. He ought to say, you're the, I'll tell you what, the best employee, this guy, this gal, that's my best employee. I mean, they work like nobody ever saw work before. And they are so respectful. And they are so energetic. And they're so positive. I hope that's how they explain you. That's how we're to be. And as we look into this, he says we're to be well-pleasing, not pilfering. Pilfering. Hmm. Not pilfering. 
So would that be like uh, not working when I'm supposed to work, kind of hiding in the corner and still taking pay for it? Leaving 15 minutes early but not telling anybody, showing up 10 minutes late but still expect yeah, that's pilfering. That's also pilfering on the other end of it. If you're the employer and you ask them to stay over and you don't pay them for what they did. Uh, we could go, and I don't have time to cover it all, but over in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 8, it says you're not to muzzle the ox. That's a, a quote from Deuteronomy. In other words, someone does a job. They, we shouldn't be looking. So the Bible teaches that Christians aren't supposed to be looking for something free all the time. You know, that's why people buy lottery tickets, because they don't want to work for a living. They want something free that they didn't do anything for. Oh, man. Now, if I happen to pick one up off the ground in the parking lot that someone threw away, that's the only way I'm going to get one, because I've never bought one in my life. But, and it wins millions of dollars. Oh, man, we're going to have a good time here, folks. But I'm not, go I'm not out looking for something free, and I don't want to take advantage of people. And so that's what the slave master situation gets to in the New Testament, which would apply with a little liberty to employee-employer. And Christianity always applies to everything. He says, but showing all good faith, all good faith, So that they will adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in every respect. So we're going to be godly people that will live according to the teachings of the New Testament, even when it's hard. We're going to be the person that they can't say anything evil about us. If they do, they have to make it up. It has to be false because we're going to live as the Lord, so they're going to learn to respect godly living. You know what people do. Now, what they don't respect is someone who claims Christianity and lives like the world. They tell the same dirty jokes, use the same filthy language, drink the same nasty, you got it, right? Said they don't have any respect for that. As a matter of fact, that teaches them to disrespect all Christianity and disrespect the Lord and His Word. So we really have to watch that. So we're going to turn to a few passages today. And think a little bit about this application. I'll try to get away from this first one because I could spend a long time in Colossians chapter 3. And I'm going to read 22 through 25. Again, it primarily starts talking to slaves. In all things, obey those who are your master on earth. So if you're a slave, are you to obey your master or get on the Underground Railroad and run to the north? I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just telling you what's the Bible say. Is Christianity pretty tough sometimes? Does it really get down to how you got to live on this earth? Not with external service as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, fear the Lord. So let's apply this to working for someone. Do you just do it for their attaboy and stuff and then talk bad about them after they're there? Or do you understand, well, I'm really not working for you anyway. 
Everything I do is really for the Lord. And in respect to Him, even if you don't treat me right, I'm going to do what's the golden rule. Boy, doesn't that answer, that golden rule doesn't answer so many problems. Think how great a place this planet would be on. If you turned on the news this next week, and everyone they reported about practiced a golden rule, that would be some strange newscast, wouldn't it? I mean that they treated everyone the way they wanted them to treat themselves. You know, you look at that. Usually we just want to get ahead and stomp on somebody. And, you know, the easiest way to look good is make you look bad. Oh, that really doesn't make you look good, even though you think it does. It makes you look petty and ridiculous and ungodly. So let's read on in the passage. Here we go. Verse 23, whatever you do, what's that leave out? Whatever you do, I got this down. I'm not the brightest bulb in the pack, but I got this. Whatever you do, that's going to include everything I do. Whatever you do, do your work heartily is what the New American Standard says, as for the Lord rather than for men. So how do I do my work? If I'm digging a hole, how you dig, it, dig it the best you can dig it. Picking up brush, pick up the brush the best you can do it. And that word heartily is interesting because if you were to look that back in the original language, it means to the point of being out of breath. So you're a hard worker. When everyone else is coasting, you're hitting it. Now, a lot of people that have been on a job a long time, maybe say they're in manufacturing, they've kind of got this little slow rhythm down. It's real comfortable and runs about it. Well, they'd have to speed up to stop. You know, that's kind of thing. And someone comes in that's gung-ho. Man, calm him down. Calm him. He's going to make us all look bad. They want him fired right now. But the employer loves him, don't he? Well, the rest of you have been coasting. Because this one guy outworked the 10 of you all by himself today. We're going to do our work as heartily to the Lord. I'm doing it for the Lord. I'm in this all the way. I'm doing the best I can do. It might be lousy, but it's the best I can do, and I'm doing it the best I can do it. Wow. I always think about that singing. I told them over there, they asked me if I want to sing, lead some songs. I said, I'm no songwriter, but I'll lead some songs. You know, and I told them, I'm just glad the Lord said, make a joyful noise to the Lord. I can do that. And, but if I'm singing, I'm sorry I'm not the best singer in the world, but you're going to know I'm singing. I'm singing out. It might not be too good. And from my friends, I know that some of them make a living singing. They wish I'd shut up. But I'm going to sing out. And they say, boy, you like to sing, don't you? Yeah, I do. I didn't claim to be any good, but I like to sing. I, whatever I'm going to do, you need to do it the best you can do it. Well, here's one thing I know about that. This is for free. If you work at something, your best becomes better. Now, I didn't say you're going to be better than everybody else, but it's going to be better than you were before. We've got to work at that. Christianity takes work. Go on back to the passage. Verse 24 and 25. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive your reward of an inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. So no matter what I'm doing, whom I serve, I serve the Lord. For he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he's done, and that without partiality. Does the Lord pay attention to what we're doing and how we're doing it? Even if you're a slave is where this started. Even if you're a master. Even if you're an employee or an employer. Well, my employer's terrible. Don't be always grumbling and complaining. 
Don't be argumentative. I remember growing up with my dad and working with him at the body shop, and sometimes I'd say, Dad, I, you know, I think this might be a better way to do it. He says, well, when you become the boss, you can decide that. You know what he told me? Shut up and do what I told you, how I told you to do it. That's what he said, didn't he? Someone says, well, I'm just telling you what, he's the boss, he's paying the check, I'm just best to do what, yes, sir, I'll do that just like you said. <laughs> this other way might be better, but this is the way you've done it for however many years, we're doing it this way. You know, he's the boss, he has a right to say that. We live in a culture that thinks the boss shouldn't have a right to say that. Well, I'm going to show you from Jesus' teaching and hiring people and deciding who's paid what, the boss does have the right to say that. And uh, we just live in a culture that thinks no one has a right to tell you anything. To mention the master thing, though, after you get past these verses, go to verse 1 of the next chapter, verse 4. Masters, grant your slaves justice and fairness, knowing that you too have a master in heaven. So as an employer, do we got to treat people justly and fairly? We do. If we know they should be making $25 an hour, we shouldn't try to short them for 12 should we? we got to know what that is, and we've got to treat them justly and fairly. I also think of another passage. I'm not going to turn to it, but I'm going to be turning to another one as I'm talking about it. But I think about a passage probably many of you can quote over in Colossians 3.17. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord. Whatever you do in word or deed. So you need to be able to say, when you say something to someone, however you talk to them, you need to say, praise the Lord. If you think saying praise the Lord after it doesn't fit, probably shouldn't the first part of the statement shouldn't come out of your mouth. You need to do all in the name of the Lord, by His authority, with His approval. Wow. Now that's one of the things you may have heard me make this statement a lot. That's easy to preach and hard to practice sometimes, isn't it? Matter of fact, over at the singing, one of the songs they sang is Tammy's probably favorite song in our songbooks. Uh, and it's, it's an important song, Angry Words. Boy, it's easy to lose your temper. You know, I tell people a lot of times when people's temper start getting out of the way, then probably the best thing to do is have a prayer and go your own ways, come back and talk about it later. People have a hard time doing that, though, don't they? Well, I got, I got something to say. Yeah, well, you need to keep it to yourself right now. Ah, boy, that's so impressive and so important to remember. But turn with me over to uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Here's another thing that is not readily politically acceptable in our society. But it's what the Bible says. Now, when I, let me ask you this. When society and political correctness stands over here, and God's Word and His will stands over here, where am I supposed to stand and what am I supposed to present? Well, when one's over here and the other, when God's will, His Word and His will's over here, i got to teach this, even though it doesn't fit this. It's great if it fits together, but if it doesn't, so be it. So over here in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, we'll just look at a few verses. Go to verse 10. For even when we were with you, we used to give you this order or commandment. If anyone is not willing to work, then he's not to eat either. What? What about welfare? What about food stamp? It's one thing if you can't work. It's another thing if you won't work. Difference in there. 
If you can't work, we want to help, right? If you won't work, you'll get hungry enough, you'll go to work. I'm not here to take hard-earned money that I had to work for and give it to you so you can sit in a recliner all day. That's just, it's not going to be that way with me. Because biblically, it's not to be that way. Get a job. Go to work. You know, I think about that every time I pull off or on an on-ramp, got someone out there and I see them there every day, all the time. Why don't you get a job right behind you? They're hiring. Obviously, you're healthy enough to stand out here and take handouts. I don't get it. I guess maybe I'm not supposed to. But anyway, so he says here, if you don't work, and that's an order. Did you catch that? Let me back up so you know. We give you this order. This is an order. If anyone doesn't work, then don't let him eat. It didn't say that he shouldn't eat. Don't you feed him. Is that what he just said? If he's not willing to work, don't feed him. That's an order. I got that. For if... For we hear that some among you are lead, leading an undisciplined life, doing no work at all, but acting like busybodies. People get too much time on their own hands, they get worried about everybody else's business. And now I think a lot of times there's too much leisure time for people. If you got to work all the time, I think back to things I've learned through my life, and some of them I learned through people's lives before me, but I think about when... Uh, Tammy and I first got married, didn't make a whole lot of money. So, man, you worked all you could work just to be able to get enough just to live like you could, like normal people lived. You didn't have time to worry about no one else because you could barely get done what you had to get done. If you work, we'll go back to old times, from sun up to sundown, seven days a week. You know what happens after sundown? You eat, get cleaned up, and you're sleeping because tomorrow it rolls around again. That's typically how it was for people back then. But when we have all this leisure time, well, what are they doing? We're worrying about them. Just do your own job and keep, you know, sometimes when you, you work in a place with a lot of employees, everyone's always worried about what some other employee's doing. Just do your job. Just do your job. I didn't ask you to worry about them. Do your job. Did you know that's biblical right here? And so he says here, they're undisciplined. They're doing no work at all, but they're acting like busybodies. He says, now such a person we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to work in quiet fashion and eat their own bread. Now, that doesn't mean it's wrong to share a meal. I've had people get foolish this, said, see, you ought to eat your own bread. That's kind of dumb. Because you're going to have problems like with the love feast in the book of Jude. But we look at this and he's saying, if you don't, you know, and don't misunderstand this, sometimes can you get stuck in a point where all of a sudden, oh man, I forgot to bring anything. Well, then you don't get to eat. No, that's not what it's saying either. But I shouldn't come here every week expecting you to feed me and never contribute anything if I have the capability to contribute either, should I? That's what it says. I think of another passage in uh, Acts 20 and verse 35. It's more blessed to give than receive. Hmm. Last verse in the text we're going to read, verse uh, right down here in this in verse 13. Uh, he says, But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing good. Just keep on keeping on. Don't grow weary in doing good. 
I think of another one that Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica, but back in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, uh, verses 11 and 12. This has always been a passage that always says a lot to me anyway. But Paul writes and says, Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. <laughs> What's that mean? Maybe you don't always have to be in the middle of everything and always telling everyone how they ought to think about everything in life. And you don't always have to be, lead a quiet life, lead a quiet life, and attend to your own business. Yeah, but I need to be concerned about that's business. Kendall, just, just tend to your own. I tell you what, you done with that? No. I always think that's funny when people say they're bored. What's that mean? I don't have anything to do. Well, come on, I got things for you to do. You might not. Well, I got things I don't like to do. Well, then you're not bored. You're just lazy. That's what the deal is. There's lots to do. You just don't want to do it. And so he says, take care of your own and work with your hands just as we commanded you. You know, I know sometimes people work with a keyboard and work with their brains and all that, and they do their work sitting at the desk. But there is something that is fulfilling about doing physical labor that you can't get any other way. And Paul, he understood it because at times he made his ends meet what they needed to meet by mending tents while he was preaching the gospel. So he, when he said work with your own hands, he says, you know, just do something. Get to do some work. Work with your own hands. Lead a quiet life. He says, so that, listen to this, so that you will behave properly towards outsiders not being in any need. Now, we want to act properly towards every brother and sister, don't we? But whether or not we reach people the gospel will have to do with how we treat these people out in the world. We don't need to look down our nose at them and shun them and say evil. We need to act properly towards them. So they need to, I'm telling you what, if you've got an employer that's not a member of the church and you're a member of the church, he needs to say, there's something different about this person. I've never seen anybody like this. That's how it has to be. That's how the Bible teaches us to be. Now let's go over to the passage that will cause me the most grief, okay? Won't cause me any grief. The Lord said it, so that's good enough for me. Matthew chapter 20. It's a little bit of a lengthy reading. I'll get to it through it as fast as I can here. I'm not going to get to everything I've wrote down. But For the kingdom of heaven is like. Is he going to give us something that's going to compare us to the kingdom of heaven? Yeah. The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers in his vineyard. So this is a landowner that has a vineyard and he needs some grapes picked. When he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius for the day, he sent the... Now he went out and hired these people. Did they agree what they would make that day? Yeah, I'll work for that. I'm good. And he went out about the third hour, so first one's early, it's later in the day, and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to those he said, you also go into in, uh, to the vineyard, and whatever is right I will give you. And so they went. Now they did not for a denarius, he didn't say, I, you go to work and whatever's right I'll pay you. I paid the first guys a denarius, whatever, okay. And again he went out the sixth and the ninth. So he's hiring people all through the day. And did the same thing. And about the 11th hour, he went out and found others. Now, we're about the end of the day. But he's still got grapes that need picked. Standing around, and he said to them, Why have you been standing here idle all day long? 
And they said, because no one hired us. And he said, you go into the vineyard too. I like this guy. I like this guy. He, he needs work. He's going to get some workers. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last group to the first. This guy's going to make a point here, I'm afraid. When those hired about the 11th hour came, each one received a denarius. Hmm. Man, they got paid good. When those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them received a denarius. What is going on here? I worked all day, and the guy who showed up at the end of the day hardly got broke a sweat. They're getting the same. See, we're always worried about... People say, that's not right. Hold on to your britches. We've got to see what the Lord said. <clears throat> when they received it, they grumbled at the landowner. Uh, I think Philippians 2.14 still says, do all things without grumbling and complaining. Saying, these last men, I can hear it, these last men have worked only one hour, and we've and made them equal with us who have borne the burden and the scorching heat of the day. Here we worked our tails off, and we only got a denarius, and they barely got here, and you gave them a denarius. But he answered and said to them, friend, I am doing no wrong. You want to bet? Did you not agree with me? For Didn't you agree that that would be the pay? Take what is yours and go, but I wish to give to this last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me? Man, this must have been before unions. Is this not lawful for me to do what I wish with what is my own? Or is your eye envious because I am generous? So the last shall be first, and the first shall be last. He says, it's none of your business what I pay anybody else. You agreed on this pay. You agreed on it. If I want to pay them ten times what I pay you, it's none of your business. Now, he ends this. This is really not a paying, about paying people picking grapes. Let's say... You got this person been a Christian for 60 years. And this person been a Christian 60 minutes. What reward do they get? Well, I've been in it 60 years. You don't understand what I'm like. I've even had people say, well, these people obeyed the gospel on their deathbed and they were only Christians a short time. I don't care. They receive the forgiveness of sin. They have the same inheritance. You don't earn this. See, now you've made it something you earn. That's what he's trying to tell. I'm not saying they earned what I gave them, but if I want to be generous and give it to them, it's none of your business. You might have earned it because Daenerys was fair. You agreed. You might have earned yours, but if I... See, we think everybody must be treated the same. Do you want what you deserve? The Bible says if you get what you deserve in eternity, I know what you're going to get because all of sin falls short of the glory of God. I don't want what I deserve. I want the generous Lord Jesus Christ. Let me mention another thing from back in Genesis. But he hadn't got to it yet because it's in chapter 2. It's still a year and a half away. Now, Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15. I have fun with Ben. Uh, Genesis 2 and verse 15. When the Lord put Adam in the garden, what did he do? said, here, you're going to have to till, you're going to have to cultivate. He gave him a job. 
You know, listen, people don't get this. You'll never be happy and have a fulfilled life unless you got a job to do and you fulfill it. The Lord says we need to be... He put him in the Garden of Eden and immediately gave him a job. We need to understand the importance of that. If we had time and we don't, so I'm just going to hit one more real quick. But if we had time, we'd look over at Philippians 2, verses 12 through 14, and see that the work we do, we're to do for His good pleasure, for the Lord's good. We're just to put the smile on His face. And so I also think about one other passage to apply to this that I think about a lot. And uh, it's there at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. You guys know I use it a lot, chapter 5 and verse 16. And I'm to let my light so shine before men that they'll see my good works and glory. Wouldn't it just be ashamed if you had a non-Christian boss and you were such an employee and such a Christian that you want him to the gospel? Wouldn't that just be terrible? Wouldn't that be terrible if you had uh, co-workers that are just as ungodly and worldly as they could be, but by your work ethics and your Christian values and your obedience to His will, that they see something different and they do exactly what you do and did and they become a Christian and they put their old sinful self in the past and now they're raised up to walk in newness of life. Wouldn't that just be terrible? Well, of course, you know, I know that wouldn't be terrible. That would be the greatest thing there could ever be. Your worst enemy, if they would truly become a Christian and truly follow the Word of God, that would be the greatest thing that could happen. Your worst enemy becomes your brother in Christ and your beloved and one with eternal life. That's what we live for, isn't it? So even when we go to work, even when we're done work, even when we think somebody else is getting in the breaks, it seems like they all, things always go their way. Just remember, just let your light shine. Make sure you live for the Lord and remember who you work for anyway. Because listen to this, your reward is in heaven. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, you're going to miss out. You're going to miss out on the greatest gift there ever was. And that's the gift of eternal life and being able to spend eternity with the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and all the redeemed. You can have that easy by doing exactly what the Bible says. First, you've got to believe what the Bible says. You've got to believe what it says. And then believe in it that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You've got to confess that with your own mouth. You've got to repent. That's, that's a tough one. You've got to repent. That's a life of it of changing your ways and living for the Lord. And every time you read something else, i got to change something else in my life. You know, that never ends. Oh, I've missed that before. And we get to prove who, are, who we are again, whether we make that change. And we've got to submit to being buried in a watery grave of baptism so the old man of sin can be washed away, so that we can be raised up out of that watery grave and appear before God as Jesus Christ Himself, sinless and spotless, and without any wrinkle without any flaw at all. If you're not a Christian, we want to encourage you to become one today. If you're a Christian and you haven't been the example that will bring people to Christ, you haven't been the example that would please Him, make that right today. And if we can help you, please come as we stand and sing. I am excited.